Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. again for imagine this the podcast i'm trent and i'm mackenzie and today we are joined by one of my good friends caleb clark hello all nice to meet you caleb tell us a little bit about yourself what brings you here today um today i'm here to read a small clipping of uh trent's play uh the way he looks at you uh caleb was in the workshop production of this play earlier this year um, but he's also an actor and a voice actor um, and phenomenally talented. So you're lucky that he's here. <laughs> Trent, stop. <laughs> <laughs> stop, stop. No, keep going. Please, keep going. Please. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think um, unless any of us have any thoughts to share at the front end, what we're excited to do is read a portion of this play, just a few pages, kind of get you into the script a little bit. And then the three of us are going to talk a little bit about it. Um, Caleb and I obviously I've lived with the script for a while Caleb lived with the script as an actor for a couple of months um, and Mackenzie has been engaging with it just as a colleague and fellow writer as someone who's been reading the various drafts of it along the way with me so all of us um, have different levels of investment in this play and um, have some thoughts that we want to share with you about why we think plays like this matter mm -hmm. so are you ready Caleb I'm ready here we go. I am Will, and Caleb is playing Christian, and we are good friends um, from different marriages. Hey, are, are you and Jason okay? That's the question I don't want to ask, because I don't think I'll like the answer. But you two seem so good. And what if we're not? I just... It feels... So important that it is good. Vital, somehow. What do you mean? It feels like my marriage isn't just my marriage. It's like this microcosm of gay life wherein it's my responsibility to prove to the world around me that two men can be married and it can be right and good. But that isn't your responsibility. It isn't yours either. I know that. Do you? I'd be lying if I said I didn't understand. I thought you might. How did you... You told me about your family. And they're not so dissimilar to mine. 
I mean, we're some of the lucky ones, though. I'm not saying anything against our families. They're wonderful in a lot of ways. But isn't it sad that them not disowning us somehow makes us feel lucky? That's a pretty low bar. I guess I hadn't thought about it like that. I've I've just always been... Grateful. Yeah. But why are we grateful? Just for them letting us come around? You think our straight friends consider their gratitude to their parents for not disowning them when they got married? <laughs> I guess not. So why do we? Because it's more than what some people get. Sure, but... I mean, our parents didn't have to accept us. There are too many people wh- whose parents don't. But at some level, there's a difference between accepting something as fact and actually welcoming it. And I feel like my marriage to Jason is how I can prove to them that me being gay is okay. That's a lot of pressure. But it's the truth. I feel like if my marriage with Brandon fails, that it will prove everyone right that said it was wrong. Sinful. Unnatural. But we're not married to them. We don't owe them anything. But it feels like we do. Like a successful marriage validates our getting married in the first place. If I'd married a woman, though no one would have blamed getting a divorce on me being straight. You've thought about getting a divorce? Wow. Um, that was lovely. <laughs> Thank you, Mackenzie. <laughs> Our co-host is starstruck. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, I didn't get to see it. Um, and so that was like... As that I don't know, that was like a special treat getting to see that. Um, because I think I I I remember when Trent pitched this to me, um, <laughs> sitting in my car, and just the way that this play has evolved from that is just truly into this beautiful piece of art. Um and I think I feel really lucky that I got to experience the different stages of this play. Well, thank you. Caleb. Yes, sir. I would love to hear your thoughts about the scene or about this play um, as an actor who embodied one of these characters. This play was really rough. It was probably the most rough play that I have ever participated in. It really made you go through the ringer uh, for just about every emotion, and you feel completely battered and bruised by the time that you get out of it. Um I th- what touched me so much about this play was actually a lot of the talkbacks afterwards. So many people were uh, incredibly uh, touched by it, and they opened up honestly way more than I would have. They were they were so vulnerable and brave, talking about their stories, and it was just such a necessary play and. It was very necessary for me uh, uh, to, as uh, I'm in a happy marriage. I've never been in any situation where I felt unsafe. And I also have the advantage of being, um, I mean, a a heterosexual white male. So 
I don't usually feel unsafe in situations. And this play forces you to see that everyone can be unsafe and what that feels like. So yeah, it was it was very very uh, important piece of art for me to do. Thank you for sharing that. Um, one of the things that we like to talk about is why it's important for stories like that to be told, and I think that that is a beautiful reason of, of why it's necessary to put things like this on stage. Um, why do you think it matters? for people to be forced to consider what those feelings are like. Um, you said it was important, an important piece of art for you to do, but like, if you could dig a little deeper for me, like, why? why, why what did feeling unsafe do for you? I think the most important part is what we should all kind of practice as humans is empathy mm. and truly trying to think about how someone else feels in any kind of situation because only through that can you actually care for other people and a lot of times we are quick to give other people uh, judgments on what they should do when we have not been in the same situation and with empathy you can kind of take a step back and say I don't know how you're feeling, but it it seems very, very difficult. And I'm going to take a backseat to letting you tell me what you need and, and really listening. Mackenzie, empathy is one of your buzzwords, right? This is, this is one of your soapbox that theater breeds empathy. So chime in here. I mean, yeah, it's I think it's all about like the human experience. But I also think that actors are some of the most empathetic humans that's because, true <laughs> yeah because we are like constantly like forcing ourselves to take on different people's lives and to think like other people and to like inhibit these characters that are sometimes very similar to who we are but sometimes very different very different set of life circumstances and just all completely different humans and so i think that actors get a lot more experience learning how to be empathetic than people who aren't actors um and it just yeah theater breeds empathy i'm gonna talk in circles if i don't stop myself soon no it's <laughs> it's okay i've actually never heard your uh take on this before i always kind of thought it was a chicken egg situation uh in that i was always empathetic and that's what uh drew me to theater but now hearing you uh you wonder if it's the other way around mm. and just you opening yourself up to so many different plays and perspectives, if that just is a good breeding ground to think critically. And I think what the cool thing about theater is, is that, yes, the actors are inhabiting these characters and it breeds so much empathy, but then it's happening in community, right? Mm -hmm. So in this play, there were four of us who were inhabiting these characters and trying to share this experience of who we are and what our relationships are. But then we also had a phenomenal director who has her own perspective on each of these characters and blending our inhabitation with her vision and then having um, a stage manager speaking into the process and an intimacy director speaking into the process. Um, that there's all of these experiences 
coming together to create then one experience for the audience. Um, and how much empathy that breeds in the people inhabiting the roles, but then also the people who are working on the production at a different level. And I think even the audience, um, the theater creates types of empathy because even though they're not experiencing it firsthand in the way that we are on stage, they're experiencing a story that may or may not relate to their own, um, but they're forced to confront it in a space that is safe, Mm -hmm. um, which is the easiest way to confront, especially a difficult story like this in a way that's meaningful or lasting or impactful. And you brought up the talkbacks where so many people were willing to say that it related to various aspects of their experience. But then it's funny because you said, I don't know. I don't know if I would have done that. But then the number of other people who reached out to me beyond the scope of the talkback probably doubled on top of the number of people who actually spoke up. Um, And so it's important to have the opportunity, I think, for people to speak up in that space, which is why I will die on the hill of talkbacks are important. Mm -hmm. Um, But then for people to get to hear other people be brave, I think helps other people to then be brave in their own way, whether that's a text message or an email or just a quick pull aside after the show as people are leaving. Um, And I think all of those things really deeply matter. Yeah, I think um, one of my favorite uh, comments was actually, uh, it it was an elderly uh, couple who, they had been married for, I want to say like 40, 50 years. Mm -hmm. And they finished the play and they're like, hey, not all marriage is like this. And it made me so sad uh, for them because, you know, they've worked very hard on their marriage. And so to see a story of people being very unhappy and hurt and abused, they, you know, they they came to the the defense of uh, marriage in general. And so it was it was provoking for everybody. Yeah, and I I think that. I think I understand specifically their impulse to come to the defense, right? Because it was an elderly queer couple mm-hmm. who who did it. And so as someone who has been a queer married person, you have this impulse to like defend queer marriage just as a right and as an entity. Mm-hmm. And so seeing two marriages play out in the play that are so unhealthy and unhappy and abusive wanting to speak up and say, but they're not all like that. And I think that that's really important. But I think that the reason for a play like this is to hold those things in tension. That, yes, people should be able to marry who they want. The fact that that's still the conversation we're having is frankly insane. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's important for people to see the darker side of relationships. Um Queer relationships in media are usually like different ends of the spectrum. You you get people coming out and having their first relationship. You get like the idealized gay couple who's super successful and smart and beautiful and all the things, right? But you don't see a lot of like what does just real life look like for people regardless of who they marry or who they are. Um, 
And what really struck me about this play is that so many people spoke up and said, yes, this is about gay marriage specifically, but it's just about marriage. Like, I recognize aspects of these characters in my marriage, in my own life. Like, marriage is marriage. People are people. And despite the fact that the story is incredibly specific in many ways, it's also universal in others because relationships are relationships, regardless of who inhabits them. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Do you think that uh, the play would have benefited from having another gay couple be a sounding board of neutrality, for, of just hearing out? Um, like, you don't really go into their lives too much, and you don't really go into their marriage too much, but just as a, uh, a grounded base, because all the characters in the play are going through something. Um, I, I, I personally don't have any kind of opinion on this. I just <laughs> thought about it while you were describing all this. Yeah, and I think the short answer is no. <laughs> um, and, and why I stand by that is because what is a grounded base? What does that look like? Um, I think that this is a story about domestic violence, and I'm not going to muddy the water by giving people something to, to play off to. of. Yes, because what happens is people are naturally drawn to the positive. So if you have a relationship to compare the two toxic relationships to, well, now you have something to say, well, see, th this is like that, and that is like that. And these are you start to find positive things mm -hmm. about the relationships in which there's really not much that's positive. But that's what happens in real life. When I was married, there there were quote-unquote positive things about our relationship it's what i did is have found those and latched onto those well in the same way the people around me who observed the two of us together and frankly observed some fairly problematic behavior didn't say anything because they were able to latch onto the things that were positive and so in each relationship there are things that are positive but when you don't have something to compare it to, it's easier to understand those positive things as actually a part of the larger problem. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't want to give people an excuse to think that it's not as bad as it is. Bad as it is. Yeah, because it also allows them to escape from mm -hmm. dealing with 
yeah. the issues of the play. And I don't want them to have an escape. That's why there's not an intermission. It's a short enough play that you can go straight through. I want you to just sit with the discomfort that this is a lot of people's very real life. Um, and I think that for those in the audience who have experienced something similar, it's an it's important to honor their experience fully. For the people who haven't experienced it, I think that it is important for them to understand that for people who are in those situations, you don't get an escape. You, you don't have something to alleviate that tension. And so if if people can sit in that for months and years and in some cases decades, then, you know, you, you can, can sit, sit through, through an for an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's because one of the one of the comments in one of the talkbacks was at the beginning of the play. There's like all, like a full minute Sil- where yeah, no one silence. is talking. It's so uncomfortable because it breaks all convention of theater. Usually lights come up and things are happening and we're in it and the story is moving. And instead we just sit there mm-hmm. and someone in the audience was like. The lights came up. And y'all were y'all were looking at each other, and I was like, "Oh, oh no, we're just <laughs> we're just jumping right in, aren't we?" But that's how I want it to feel mm-hmm. from the first awkward moment of silence to the last awkward moment of silence. I just want it to be uncomfortable. And there's moments of lightness, there's humor because people are people, but it's just uncomfy. And I and I want it to be because it is because it sucks. And I shouldn't have to make it suck less just because people want it to. Yeah. <laughs> Mackenzie, y- your head nods. You have to start vocalizing them. I feel weird because I'm over Zoom and I don't want to cut people off. Just cut us off. It's fine. Don't cut me off, Mackenzie. Never mind. Don't I'm cut Kendra off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I uh, not to be that person, but I'm a sucker for drama. And I feel like if you had added I guess more neutral ground I'm gonna use the phrase it would have watered it down and it would have like made it less intense and therefore I think the narrative would have been less impactful I think that um there's a tendency in people and in art and I think specifically well not specifically with theater necessarily but certainly with theater there's the, there's a desire to make it more palatable or more commercial, right? We want to sell tickets, right? <laughs> That's how we pay bills. Um, and so people are constantly encouraging a move toward general acceptance of a piece. Um, and that shouldn't really that shouldn't be the point in my opinion. There's a place for commercially acceptable theater. Um, but it's not when you're trying to tell, a story like that. I think that um, you have to be willing to find your audience for a play like that. And usually it means starting smaller. Um, but ultimately, I think that the path that is right for each script is the path that's right for each script, as opposed to trying to make it into something that it's not intended to be. I wholeheartedly agree. I guess my question is, how far are you wanting to go with the discussion of the play because there are i mean i'm I'm assuming most people who are going to be listening to this have not seen Mm -hmm. uh, or read the play uh so a lot of this might end up uh have them 
glaze over a little bit uh, from not being able to relate to what we're talking about. But because I, I was going to ask you what your experience was playing your character in a play that you wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. So I had the privilege of playing a character in this play, and it was a lot. I mean, and earlier in the episode, Caleb talked about feeling just battered by the end of a performance. Um, and I can second that wholeheartedly. Um, I found the experience in many ways cathartic um, because I was enacting many aspects of something that I had experienced that was real. Um, so for me, I didn't have to like do a lot of character work because a lot of it was just my life. I remember reading through some of the parts and knowing that you wrote it and were in it. I, I, I remember reading them and being like, oh, this is kind of awkward because I feel like this is where Trent is speaking from uh, Trent. And since you're in the room, I'm like, oh, man. I, I, I'll just leave that and not say anything about it <laughs> because the character already did. Because um, mm-hmm. I think there's uh, a mention of him spending or, – or, or the money. Um, basically, uh, Trent's husband, um, he says that he paid for a vacation uh, to which he did not pay for that vacation. But that's what he's been telling his friends is that he is the one that brings home the money. Uh and they have a argument about this. And so when when I was hearing that, I was like, oh, man, I, I'm i watching uh, a very real fight happen. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because you said, you know, Trent's husband. And, like, you can say Trent's husband in real life or Trent's husband in the play. And it's it's both true. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah. It. It was so it was cathartic in a lot of ways because it it was a, it was a release. It felt I, I mean I have been at peace about it for a long time, so I was able to write a play about it and perform in it. Um, but it still felt really good um, to see some of those things play out and get to embody it. Um, it was also re-traumatizing <laughs> in a lot of ways. So it was both a really good thing and a really terrible thing. Um, it was hard. It was the hardest show I've ever done. I have never been so exhausted during a show process as I was with that. Um, some of the big things, but even some of the little things, um, one of the, it was funny in a lot of ways, but one of the things that happened during the production was, um, the man who played my husband in the play would kick off his shoes just any time he walked in the house and he would just leave them on the ground anywhere. <laughs> and the rage that I would feel was not acted. It was so real. It just made me unreasonably angry every time he kicked those shoes off. And our director would joke that my eyeballs were like a fifth actor <laughs> in the production because they would they would roll they were just on fire through like a lot of the show um and it's because i couldn't control them not because i was acting but just because i really, really felt that felt way it, i yeah. wanted to strangle him i was so mad and like it's not even his real person he's acting right but it oh still gets you oh my yeah. gosh but it's like those little things right like when we would have a fight about finances those aren't the things that like 
resurfaced for me. It's the little things, like the kicking off of the shoes, and I just want to shove the shoe down his throat <laughs> because it's just it's the little things that add up to make you feel dehumanized. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's how it feels in real life. And so then re-experiencing it during a play um, was overall a positive experience. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to get that wrong, but there were aspects of it that were really really hard and not the aspects of it that I probably would have thought would be so hard. A quick aside um because my character was abused in the play uh, physically. Um, so there was uh, a lot of domin- domination mm-hmm. like uh, towards me. And I love cheese and cracker trays at HEB. Cheese, cracker, ham, you know, turkey. I They're like adult Lunchables. I love Lunchables delicious. growing up, and you get them now. <laughs> They're expensive, whatever. Uh, we used one of those as a charcuterie plate in the dinner scene. And uh, my husband will be feeding me these foods that I – he was playing it so gross and feeding me these foods that I just – I did not want to be fed this ham out of your mouth. I, I, you know, that's disgusting. Please do not do that. And so I went to H-E-B the other day. I walked right past him. I, I had that image of being fed that, and I was like, I can't eat this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if – one day I'll be able <laughs> to uh, come back to one of those things, but just that small yeah, thing. But it's it's super real, right? And that's just from you acting it. Yeah. So for people who really experience this, there are so many little ways like that where trauma resurfaces that you don't even realize until things like that are happening. But then all of those things add up so enormously and it's why people talk about feeling in so many ways just incapacitated from their everyday life because there's so many things like shoes or like cheese plates that just are triggering Mm -hmm. frankly and it's like hard to explain why it's so visceral but it's because it's tied to such visceral experiences because those shoes don't stand for oh, he doesn't put them where he's supposed to. That's annoying. It stands for, I am not important. My opinions aren't considered. Nothing that I do is ever enough. I'm constantly picking up after him because that's all I'm good for. I'm basically just a maid in my own house. Like It's so much bigger than just, this is annoying, Mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of marriages can relate to those kind of like everyday annoyances right we had a lot of people be like oh there are things in here that like i'm guilty of right like people would be oh i'm guilty of not putting my shoes away or even our own director would say sometimes i'm guilty of like being on my phone instead of paying attention to my partner right the difference is that it's in the context of something that's healthy and supportive, right? So you're able to like move past those things and work on those things. When it's toxic, though, you don't have the relief of the in-between moments. It's just a cascade of those things. Um, and just so acting it was much harder than I thought it would be because of all those little things that just pop up. It wasn't, you know, I thought the intimacy would be hard, but that isn't what challenged me so much. It was just the little bits of existing in this staged living room with a man who didn't, you know, it. it's those small moments that mm-hmm. really 
weighed heavy, not the things that I thought would, which is interesting. But I I think it it makes sense. It's just not what I would have expected. I feel uh, the same way. I was... uh I don't, I don't know what you want me to share about the play, but uh, something happened to my character. Um, I was sexually abused. I was, I was raped in the play. Yeah. And I was very worried um, because I've never uh, uh, played a gay character in a play, let alone gone to this extreme. So we, we were, you know, prepared with an intimacy director, and I was worried about that scene, but that was not the scene that I felt the most afraid and mm. uh uncomfortable in it was the just the fight scene mm-hmm. just just yelling at each other because there is this belief that you don't know what the other person will do you you don't know what they're going to to say whether it gets physical there's an idea that you cannot control the other person and when you do not have control over someone else or or something you feel completely helpless and that's why, like humans, we try and get control of what we can, you mm-hmm. know. And what we can't, we just, we have to live with that. But when you completely cannot control your, your partner, or like at least the idea of what they're going to do, when it's that random, that's a horrifying thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the continuous uncertainty is then highlighted in moments where they are already out of control. So when when you feel out of control just on a daily basis, it's then exacerbated in moments like that. And it, it becomes really, really scary. Um, but And just as like a quick plug, that's the beauty of an intimacy director. Um, and it's why every production should have one. That's another hill that I'll die on. Um, because I think had we handled it differently, we would probably have a very different story about the things that were hard for us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but because those things were handled in safety, it, it was choreographed, it looked real, the audience was like there, like they didn't know that it was choreographed, right? Like it felt, it felt real. It portrayed as real, but we were never at any risk because we knew exactly what was happening. Um, but there are productions that still to this day don't do that, which is mind boggling. Um, and to be very clear, there's a difference between, oh, a director like tells you a few things to do and what emotions to portray versus an intimacy director coming in and like really working on that moment. Um, so just that's my quick commercial of the day about intimacy directors. You should go find one immediately. Yep, it was a big help. Um, Mackenzie, what are your thoughts? Intimacy directors are very important. <laughs> <laughs> the stamp of approval from Mackenzie. <laughs> Boom. Absolutely. Been traumatized there before. <laughs> but that, And that's why it matters is because there are so many working professionals that still have not had that experience of working with an intimacy director. And it really makes a qualitative difference, both in performance as well as experience, which frankly I would argue is more important, that the actor's experience be one that is positive and safe, um, that that should be prioritized above the end product. Um, 
and some of the arguments about intimacy directors are that it like cheapens the moment or makes it feel stylized as opposed to like being real right that's some of the things that people say um and i would argue that that's not true in any way whatsoever but i would say even if even if it is true i would prioritize the actor's well-being over the end result of the moment being portrayed so yes uh, absolutely you would be the only time that it would even come up for discussion in my mind is if you know you're performing the greatest thing to ever be seen by anybody and even then you still you'd have to weigh like okay well what are they doing is it just a kiss okay um is, is it anything more no we're bringing in somebody because the the communication was what was so good mm-hmm. for me you get a language that uh, you and your fellow actor can use together. You get steps and instructions that you both can use to talk to each other. It's You don't have one person's idea of intimacy versus another person's idea and seeing how, how they'll match for the first time. You get to actually walk through it slowly and, and so that you, you're not scared of what's going to happen because you know what's going to happen. So... We might have to just bring in an intimacy director for a future episode, Mackenzie. I feel like that is what this conversation has led me to believe. Um, so put I, a pin in I that, um, and you can look forward to that episode um, in the future. Um, I'd like to circle back before we close, Caleb. We've talked about kind of our experiences embodying these characters, which I think is really important. Um, acting is such a beautiful art form and creates empathy. And then creates these experiences where an audience gets to experience an important story and build empathy of their own. Um, I love that you brought up the talkbacks. That's something that I will just continue to reiterate probably throughout this entire podcast series because I think that they are a phenomenal tool that are so underutilized in theatrical experiences. Um, But you said in the very beginning that this was an important piece of art you to work on so i'd like to maybe end with circling all the way back to that which is why do plays like this despite being difficult and difficult both to perform and to watch in many ways why why are they still important why why do we need to do them why does new work continue to need to explore subjects like this because they're human stories and every story needs to be told and a lot of them don't get to be told mm. whether the the people feel like they can't speak on it um it, that it was it was too hard or that people don't think it's marketable these these stories everyone's story needs to be told and you see that when you do those talkbacks because you see people all latch on to something and Yeah, it's 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 just important for everybody to get that out there. It's it's like having you know some muck inside of you mm. that uh, just sits at the bottom, and if you aren't able to express it, if you aren't able to show it, if you aren't able to have a release for it, it's just gonna sit there poisoning you. And I love that image, and I think you're right. And maybe to take the same image a different direction, I think. There's also people who feel like they have this muck inside of them, 
But then when they see a story like that come to light, they realize that it's not actually their own muck. It's this thing that they've experienced and it's not their fault and it's not them and other people have experienced it too. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's not muck at all. Right. Um, And I think both versions of that image are really, really important. Mm -hmm. Mackenzie, what about you? Why, why stories like this? Why do we continue to explore things like this through new work? I mean, because I, I think that news stories deserve to be told just as much as classic stories, um, because the world is changing, people are changing, we learn, and we grow, and I think that everyone deserves to be represented on stage and to see their story told and to see characters that they identify with and that they feel represent them and tell their story. Um, and also catharsis. I'm a big fan of that word. I mean, Caleb earlier said poison. Catharsis is literally like the purging of poison. And so both based on what we were talking about earlier with Trent, how this was really cathartic for him as an actor and as a person, it's cathartic for the performers and it's cathartic for the people who write it and create it. And it's cathartic for the audience as well. Caleb. Do you want to share anything where people can find out more about you or your work, or are you an enigma and prefer to remain secret? I will always be an enigma. Listen, okay, (laughs) I used to have a website once upon a time. It cost too much money. It didn't bring in much work. So now I go find my own work. I work with Trent. I work in Waco. Uh, I work in the greater DFW area. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, um, you heard it here first, folks. Caleb will remain an enigma, (laughs) enigma. but we love him anyway. Um, If you would like to find out more about the way he looks at you, you can find it. Heck yeah. And and Mackenzie, tell us where they can find more about the podcast. Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram at Imagine This Theater Pod, theater with an R-E, at Wild Imaginings Waco, at wildimaginingswaco.com, and we are produced by Rogue Media Networks. Thank you again for having this conversation with us. We're excited about this play and about new works in general. Um, this will not be the f- the last reading that you hear on this podcast. We're really excited to share new and emerging artists and excerpts of their plays with you. Um, and hopefully it'll point you toward new subjects and new writers that you might not otherwise have thought about or heard about. But for today, thank you for joining us in order to imagine this. Imagine this.